You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. back and i'm back all right how exciting was it to hear my voice first is everybody feeling so much calmer already well to be fair they heard an ad first so true yeah and then so they were eased into me me louis you were gone for one week i know it was not a decade guys i was in vegas where they keep it air conditioned to the point of i believe i had like elephant tuberculosis by the end i just <laughs> i was dying Your air skin conditioning looks great. thank you air conditioning and cigarettes but yeah oh mm-hmm. my god it was yeah. really seriously brutal uh well you were back but Kara is gone now. I know. What's uh, going on? Well, she's always leaving. Sorry. That's yeah. kind of her thing. <laughs> she loves a vacation. Yeah. Uh, a book festival. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in her place is the lovely Jen Yamato. I'm so... Wait. Oh, oh audio effect. That was that was my entrance. <laughs> I thought I would bring an entrance effect with me. And that a LaCroix? <laughs> LaCroix pop. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be with you guys. Well, Jen Yamato is one of the definitive film writers. No, sees everything, knows everything. I worked with her years ago at a site called Movie Line, and now she has since taken over blogging in general. So. Rest in peace, Movie Line. I know. Geez, what a good Power two that years you we have. have. Yeah. The influence that you have, the access that you have, the profile that you have, the international implications that you have. International. I don't know about that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I love writing about film. Yeah. You are great at it. You are currently at the LA Times. I am. You're everywhere. That's one of the bigger newspapers. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's a newspaper, which is very interesting. I really want to get into why I brought you here as an Asian person myself. Yes. I just want another Asian voice on here to talk about Asian April. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, you don't have to respond to that at all. <laughs> you know what? I, I accept you into my Asian family. Thank Ira. you. Thank you. Okay. I, I would be better at it than Emma Stone <laughs> and Scarlett. And and, but not much yeah. else. Yeah, and yeah. Mickey Rooney. She's, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, or and uh, Shirley MacLaine, who played uh, uh, an Asian in My Geisha once upon a time. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. And, you know, I mean, I, I really modeled my um, like persona after the letter. Oh, uh, with Betty Davis? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, the the, uh, the mystical Asian woman who cursed her in the <laughs> film. Uh, <laughs> uh, but tell us, what is Asian April? Asian April is one of these hashtag celebrations um, hashtag. on the Twitter, on the film Twitter. That is, you know, it's it's. I always love when different segments of Twitter intersect. So film Twitter and Asian Twitter come together and join forces to celebrate all the Asian representation that we are seeing this month. Um, it happens also last August. It did. The alliteration is, is like <laughs> cosmic. <laughs> it's nice. Asian August, 
Asian April. You've just stole it every month with an A. I think those are the two. You know, whether whether the universe is doing that or like some savvy marketing people, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to celebrate a, a rare wealth of interesting and varied Asian American characters and stories. It's uh, Fresh Off the Boat is celebrating like its one billionth episode. That's right. There are a number of recent wins, I think, for for Asian Americans specifically in in Hollywood, which is nice. You have this show. It's I, I've seen the first episodes on Showtime. It's called Warrior. Mm-hmm. Executive produced by Justin Lin of the mm-hmm. Fast and Furious franchise, which I love. Um, an iconic franchise. Icons. You know we've bonded over that. <laughs> and Jordana uh, Brewster, you know what I call her? Gas- <laughs> Gasoline Allie McGraw. Go ahead. All right. Totally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, she totally. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, so Warriors based on a lost pilot that Bruce Lee tried to pitch in the 70s uh, when Hollywood told him that that they couldn't put an Asian male lead on the air. And so um, these producers, including Shannon Lee, uh, Bruce Lee's daughter, brought it back and they put it on sh- on Cinemax, sorry, Cinemax. And it is a sexy show. Oh. It's um, uh, about a, a Chinese man who comes to America, to super racist America, um, there's mystery. Sounds there's like sex. 2019. It is actually, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, it's really, it's really fun. It's kind of a show that I've never seen before, um, on, on television. It seems very really crazy that there was it's a time nice. when Bruce nice. Lee, because that would have been well after he had yeah. started his superstardom. Well, no, it was with, like right before. And then he was oh, like, the well, early 70s then. okay, yeah. I will go away to become a superstar. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got well, it. you know what? He did that. He and did that. You're right. You're doing that right now. <laughs> uh, making, By making history. Making our, history coming on Keep It. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's like a revolving door up in here. Thank you, it so. feels like the view. That's right. <laughs> which oh. we're going to be talking about. Ladies who yes. punch. This is me holding up a book like we're airing on, <laughs> the view. Uh, on live TV. Yeah. Uh, but we will be talking about Ramin Satuta's book ladies who punch a little bit later with um this week's guest matt rogers of the podcast las culturistas one of the great funny gay men yeah well we couldn't get bowen because he's in new york so matt will do mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a little taller yeah That's <laughs> do not forget that may 14th at the regent theater in los angeles we have a live keep it show Tickets are still on sale at cricket.com slash events. I'd better see you there. And if you think I'm not talking to you, I am talking to you. I'm spying on you. I know who you are. Get a ticket. We'll be right back. I think we are all um, Biden, Bedowd, and Bernie Wildered. Oh, please. Uh, with this 2020 Bed knobs race. and broomsticks, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, Biden keeps turning those knobs. Yeah. <laughs> to go, oh, God. To go, to go down into the sea and wherever else they go in bed knobs and broomsticks. Oh, God. I thought the turning the knobs was a groping thing. I thought you were submitting a packet for Jay Leno or something. I, I, I was definitely making oh, okay. a groping okay. joke. Oh, okay. You're hired. Yes. <laughs> yes, All right. yes. Thank you. 
I do like nice cars and leather jackets. And denim jackets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, 2020, there has been yes. a lot going on. And I think it's time for us to finally dive in to the fact that a lot of people are talking about how with such a diverse field, we're still stuck with a bunch of white guys mm-hmm. who are at the top of the polls. You know, you have Bernie, you have Biden, who, by the way, has not even announced he's running yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have Beto. And then we also have people lumping in Pete Buttigieg in Mayor that, Pete. even though he's gay, That's right. pretending like he is simply the same as like a Beto. So right. where are we at with all of this? Like you said, there it's it's documented that in the last even week or so, like these white dudes have have dominated the awareness, dominated the the coverage. They've they they've popped up everywhere, and so it is a little overwhelming. You're like, uh, enough. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Noah asked Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. isn't it time for you guys to step aside? And Which, is Bernie ever going to be like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> no. It, it, was, no. <laughs> it was wrong of me. <laughs> um, he responded with, I think the American people have to make that decision. Nobody else makes it. But I think it is appropriate for people to say, okay, who has been talking about this issue when? Who had the courage to go forward and at what time? I think it's important not to look at just personalities. I think in American politics in general, we do too much of that. So, one, I will say a lot of it is the media. It's not really the American people deciding who is being covered, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, right now we've had, what, um, Tim Ryan now? Mm -hmm. And also we have Eric Swalwell. So... Two more white men have, like, jumped into the fray. Swalwell also is, like, 38, so another Young white guy. Good. Pete needs a friend. Yeah, somebody to relate to at the gym. But also, does he cut into Mayor Pete's millennial clout, you know? Now he has to share it. I mean, I think Jill Filipovic would agree, Um, who, who, Mm -hmm. you know, I generally like. But, you know, she did—she has been sort of on a— mission to talk about, you know, how white men are crowding the race for women. And I think we've some people uh, like her have been unfairly lumping Pete in with that. I get that there's a way to talk about the way that coverage for Pete is a bit outsized compared to other people in the field. But I think it's ignoring the fact that it is sort of revolutionary right now and historic for a gay man a married gay man to be running for president. Oh, yeah, no. And especially because he is so particularly, there's another word for it, articulate and like speaks to experience and uh, 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 in a way that like, I don't even know that much about him yet, but I look at him, I hear him talk. I'm like, oh my God, that's like somebody I know that I would hang out with. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I made a joke on Twitter. I was like, he seems like the guy who... Uh, he pops out a board game, reads the entire instruction booklet, and then spends the the rest of the game 
uh, qu- calmly <laughs> explaining it to 30 of your drunkest friends. And uh, and you got a response. Yes. And Chasen Buttigieg responded and said, nothing could be more accurate. I was like, I know an instruction <laughs> booklet gay when I see one. <laughs> there have even been articles talking about wondering, like, is he gay enough? I know that was a recent horrible one in the outline that I was tweeting about that mm-hmm. I deleted my tweets because <laughs> the outline is literally designed to troll us. Uh, that's the reason that website exists. But, you know, I think there's a nuanced way to talk about the fact that, yes, Pete is sort of a idealized version of what a gay man should be. But that's also because he's running for president. Every person who runs for president is going to be and uh, has to be like an idealized person of whatever identity they are. Mm -hmm. Also, there's Mm. no room for a conversation about is he too gay or not gay enough when he is the first one. I don't know. There's no standard. (laughs) I can't compare him. Right. And people writing articles comparing him to um, their friends, like other gay men that they know. I'm like, well, you know what? Those gay men aren't running for president, okay? They're at high tops on the weekend. Yeah. Drinking <laughs> and dancing to Janet Jackson songs. They're <laughs> not, you know, talking about policy and they're not mayor of South Bend. Right. You know, they're they're not engaged in that process of trying to run for president, which I think does box people in. Mm-hmm. It's also, I, in a way, don't really know what a gay man looks like in politics. I mean, there are people like Barney Frank who exist, you mm-hmm. know, but like they're few and far between. Harvey do Milk's I, ghost. Yes, precisely. Who lingers. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, 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 do I think it's a little bit funny that he looks sort of like um, he has like the haircut of someone like Michael Dukakis or like an <laughs> 80s politician? Yes. Like, I find that there's some camp value to that. And in a way, super gay. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There was also talk about the idea that he is, you know, because he talks about having met his husband on Hinge, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of is that a dig against people who have met on Grindr? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think you you just have to acknowledge the fact that, yes, Grindr and Hinge are for different things. Right. You know, and I get that we will sometimes try to position Grindr as whatever, but we know what it's for. I've met really good friends on Hinge. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you can and meet, Grindr. Yeah, you can meet friends on Grindr, but that's not its main purpose. No. And when people say, I'm not firing up Hinge at 3 a.m. No. And when people have friends in their profile on Grindr, call the police. Because what are they doing? <laughs> what friends are you looking for? Can't you just go to a dodgeball game like everybody else? Jesus Christ. Yeah, join, join an intramural sports team. Yeah. Uh, badminton. Anything. Jen, how are you feeling? As, about Mayor Pete? Well, as, as you know, about women in the oh, field right now. I want to see more of them. Yeah. I know it's still early. I'm like, I really responded to that um, Jill Filipovich article about, um, you know, how it's basically about how men get to be younger and that's like an seen as a positive attribute in mm-hmm. politics, uh, but the same for women is seen as inexperience. And um, I think that's true. I, I, on the other hand, I do think that Mayor Pete has so much going for him that I, that regardless of his age, I, I don't, I don't count him in that argument. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, I definitely remember the conversations of people saying that Kamala should, you know, wait before she's running right. for president. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, she ain't got to wait. Right. You know, she's so we're ready yeah, for Kamala. Right. Isn't that her slogan? It does feel like they're 
It, it, oh, it's Kamala it, for the people, but I feel like people have always been like, ready for Kamala. Yeah. Well, I, it does feel like start that right with now. women in the race, <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm talking about the average straight male voter, wherever they are, but it, it, it feels like you're up against this idea that it just takes one thing for them to dismiss those people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, for instance, with Kamala, it's that she's, uh, whatever, just became a senator. With Elizabeth Warren, it's that she's, I mean, like, are we getting back to the shrill place? Are we getting back to... The Pocahontas situation, which has been mm-hmm. like fetishized and fetishized into something she can never, no longer come back from, even though she is one of the most wildly empathetic candidates I have ever seen run for office. I, I find largely her- think that most of the Pocahontas stuff has vanished. You know, God, I, think, I, I hope think, so. Why is she like sixth? It kills me. Yeah. Her policy ideas are so fabulous and so insightful and so incisive that and it seems to come from a place of actual, genuine comprehension, which you ra- like you certainly don't get from her current president, but like you rarely get, period. Well, you know? so here's an interesting thing, too. You know, so when I was like at the HRC dinner, uh, I met Cory Booker and I met Kamala Harris, you know, and I talked to uh, maybe like a couple people on Cory's team. And it's just the idea that the media is sort of focused on a story, you know, mm-hmm. and when you think about mm-hmm. Pete, he's in the media right now because he's new. We we most of us haven't heard of him, and, and he's, he's more interesting than most people. Yeah, and he's interesting, and you're, there, he's gay too. And yeah, he's kills gay. a Q and A. Yeah, speaks like a, Q&A. a billion languages, um, mm-hmm. and that is why he's sort of gaining traction in the media right now. By the way, if he had been total shit in his town hall. No one would be talking about him. Right. But he did the town hall and it was great and it was riveting. And that's why we're still talking about Mm -hmm. him. It stands to reason that a lot of the other candidates, Warren, Kamala, Booker, you know, they have been in the news for years. We know who they are. So there's less of a we need to introduce them to people. And then you have people like Biden who are eating up um, so much media time because, one, he can't stop touching people. And two, he he hasn't announced if he's running yet. You know, so it's sort of getting that like that that um, Hitchcockian mystery like. Are you running? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I feel like I'm in shadow of a doubt. Waiting for him to come down <laughs> Uncle stare. Charlie, go away. <laughs> no. But, you know, it's, it's that. And so many of the other people who, it, as long as new white men keep announcing that they're running or standing on tables, they are going to be eating up the time, you know, with um, I think when people, you know, get mad about um, the jokes of how there's too many people in the race. It's not that there's so many people in the race. It's just the fact that I want to wait till we get to a debate to like really get into this Mm -hmm. nitty gritty. And with so many people just sort of announcing and everything right now, it's really hard to focus on the fact that like, yes, Elizabeth Warren is releasing great policy Mm -hmm. every week. It's really hard to focus on what Cory Booker stands for. It's really hard to focus on what a lot of these people are trying to do and who they're talking to because the media is just going to gravitate obviously towards this person just announced. Like, how much fucking time did we spend on Howard Schultz? Yeah, right. Oh, my God. And no one gives a fuck about him. I just had a flashback to a month and a half ago where I, where I promised looking, I would never go again. I'm looking at my Starbucks cup right now just sh- shivering like <laughs> Bethany. That's, DTs. Yeah. That's kind of why I hate this time of in the, in the, in the process, in the cycle, because you're getting so much noise it just feels like how many how many uh how many people now like it's with like Swalwell 19 or 20 now, or something almost 20 18 democratic candidates mm. that's too many it's like a lot and we already have add as a culture 
The View introduced this like Twitter sort of sensibility of like shouting into the void and uh, uh, devaluation of facts. And that's the reality we live in now. So it's not like everybody can can reasonably process all of these new names and all of these new people with all of their policies that are being thrown at them. So now it's like the most cacophonous time in the process, and I, I kind of hate it. It reminds me of when it's like way too early in the year to predict the Oscars. Same, you know, you know yes. where it's like, yes. it's like, oh, uh, Julianne Moore was just in Gloria Bell, gave a wonderful, wonderful performance. Mm-hmm. She better win. We love mm-hmm. her so much. Mm-hmm. We love her so mm-hmm. much. We have no idea what's coming in the fall. We have no idea if people will remember that performance. Mm-hmm. Will it hold up? You know, five months from now, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, there's just like there's so much more time and so much more intensive learning that has to be done about the candidates, period. So, Absolutely. You know, and I feel like we really just need to, you know, keep the media to task, I guess. You know, sort of really mm-hmm, get good people... Luck. I don't I know, know right? <laughs> just ask them nicely. <laughs> ask them nicely. Uh, it, but, you know, ourselves focusing on who we're caring about. And a lot of it, too, is just going to be based on who people hire, you know, and what sort of team that they put mm-hmm. together and really just how things are going before we even get to the debates, before teams we like, get to the DNC. Like to what kind of teams people hire in the media? No, I mean, what teams they hire for themselves, oh. you know, as, as they're like putting, you know, their team together, you know, because like if you put together a bad team, like you're not going to do well. I mean, like, I don't know that much about Julian Castro. Right. Uh, yeah. Forgot he was running, you know, because he doesn't really have a great digital team. And mm-hmm. I just saw mm-hmm. him uh, respond to was it an interview with Bill Maher where mm-hmm. he responded somewhat brilliantly to a question. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, uh, no, also in general, something I've been thinking about constantly, I, even in regards to Pete Buttigieg, is how suspicious I feel of charm, though, in general. Like, I love Pete Buttigieg and I think he's great, but just it just feels like this world of appeal and support that we throw specifically to men for comforting us with knowledge, which I don't think women, I don't think we, we, we don't value women in a way where they can ever comfort us with knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we think they're hiding something from us or we think they're, they're too smart, etc. You know, so I, uh, while I am very supportive of Pete Buttigieg, I hope we can kind of move past charm and just get into, is this person fucking ready to do this? You know? Right. And I, there was also a recent article talking about how Women read books, too, and they listen to music and, you know, they have pets as well. And um, I agree that we should know more (laughs) about what what the women are. I don't think that's true. None of that's (laughs) true. They also have pets. (laughs) You know, it's it's just sort of the idea of when we're talking about female candidates, we're always talking about this is a woman. And she's running. And then we talk about the detriments of being a woman running for president. Right. Uh, and we're not really getting into the nitty gritty of who they are. I miss when yeah. we were just talking about Elizabeth Warren loving ballers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, where's that's, that's also great content. Yeah, content. it's, it's mm-hmm. great content. Yeah. I miss Kamala Harris, you know, mm-hmm. ski weeing all over the place, you know, <laughs> with her AKAs. <laughs> what I, what, that's what it, it's an interesting example that we have had. One of the rare examples of learning anything human about any of the female candidates is the revolution. Revelation that Stacey Abrams moonlights as a romance suspense novelist. That is so chic. Do we give that equal weight to knowing that Pete, Mayor Pete, like taught himself 
Norwegian or whatever to read a book? No, probably not. We don't. It also just feels like we are at this moment in time at the talent portion of the <laughs> yes. race where it's like, oh, Kristen Gillibrand speaking Mandarin to somebody. Well, mm-hmm. yes. you know. You're all going to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> now it's Hollywood week. That's right. That's what this is. Honestly, listen, talking about Pete Buttigieg and these books, if I hear if I hear about Ulysses one more fucking time, yeah. nobody has finished Ulysses. It's a boring book. It's too fucking long. Just read Dubliners. I was literally about to say, can we talk about Dubliners? How about Araby? What a fun okay. story you have to read when uh, you're in 14. Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. Like uh-huh. There are better James Joyce books. Stop talking about Ulysses. Read the Odyssey. That's right. <laughs> it's much better. The character is much more vibrant. The, we- the women fiercer. <laughs> Calypso. <laughs> Come through. All right. Maybe the answer is, like, back to your point, maybe Pete has a better publicist and strategist than everybody else. You know what's interesting, by the way? Digging up all these fun facts. He and and his husband are both very savvy when it comes to PR, I think. And social media. Yes. It's been good. One of the benefits is that he's gay, so he's been leveraging gay Twitter uh, to basically tweet about him. Yeah. No, pretty soon he's just going to tweet like, you know what I love, guys? Iced coffee. And then like everybody's going to explode into a fire. <laughs> gay Twitter is all about iced coffee right now. I can't explain it to you guys at home if you're not on Twitter. But anyway. I, gay Twitter exhausts me. Uh, no, I don't I really think I'm part of it. <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, you know, I just, I just try, uh, to, I try, to, I try to observe. I have news for you. <laughs> I try to believe actress Twitter is its own thing, but I am gay Twitter. <laughs> I also reject film Twitter. It's like the I'd never want to be a part of a, the club that would have me. Uh-huh. Um, but, you do, uh huh. But you do such good work there. Film uh, Twitter actually see? hates me. That's, so, that's yeah. how film I, Twitter is a cesspool. That's how I feel. You know, like <laughs> it, it's in only the way that like I enjoy listening to Carly Rae Jepsen. I don't need yeah. to make the same memes about her every week that Gay Twitter does. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm right, not. Right. I'm not obsessed with her. Oh yeah, I consume responsibly. I, I'm. I'm not. I don't immediately become self-aggrandizing with things I like. Yes. I think it's mostly you don't. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I don't immediately turn it into uh, uh, regurgitated memes you've already seen thirty thousand uh. times. Oh, you don't. Me? Wow. Bitch, if you talk about Tapestry on this show one more time. I brought that up twice. It's a wonderful album, and it's not cliched to bring up. I'm going to do it again. Oh, well, you know Where what? You Lead is a wonderful song. I feel the earth move, and I feel my <laughs> eye drop, <laughs> and I feel my, <laughs> I feel the earth move because I'm snoring. <laughs> I'm falling asleep. <laughs> I call that album music to pet a cat, too. <laughs> Actually, I really did go through like a tapestry phase when I was Uh-oh. in New York and just, you know. Um, oh, was it raining? I was just doing a lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. And, that and, seems like very New York. Yeah. And thing. living in the Heights, just, you know, listen, listen to Carol. Oh, yeah. yeah. Longing for James Taylor, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think our thoughts are 2020 are <laughs> pretty uh, clear. 2020, yeah. more like 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> As a rule, I don't laugh at Ira, but that was funny. When we're back, we're going to talk to Matt Rogers of La Culturistas about The View. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand... That was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? 
<laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday... And French fries are a food group where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and... How I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire... Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I cannot believe we are here talking about a book, and Kara is not here. I don't believe we have her permission. I'm very worried. <laughs> Has she? Is this on the Kara Brown Book Club? I'm. Ugh, God, don't ask. The uh, fans will come at us. Uh, well, you know what? We would have talked about Song of Solomon if she was here, <laughs> but we cannot. Sula will have to wait. Sorry, Tony. Instead, we are here to talk about ladies who punch. Punch. Um. Ramin Satuda's <laughs> new book. He is the New York bureau chief of Variety, and he wrote 
a book. A definitive tell-all of <laughs> The View. The View. The View. It is hot. And to talk about it with us, we had to get Matt Rogers of Hi. Las Culturistas. Hey. As I said earlier in the show, I wanted Bowen. But Did you? Yeah. He would not have been able to talk at length about this. I, I know. Because he, okay, so we famously and faithfully went to a taping of The View together. Ooh. And he ended up being an audience member that was better than me because I cared too much about everything happening. <laughs> oh, I was sure. just like, the stakes were very real for me. I care very much about all like the host dynamics. And you could see on my face when I cut to the audience, I'm like, it's not a good sunny day or it's not a good, it was always a good sunny day. Mm. It wasn't a great whoopee day mm. when we went. I also went to a view taping and it was circa Bless. the Raven Simone era. Wow. Yeah. So was Michelle Collins on that at the time? Yes. Ugh. That's yeah. the before queen. I knew her. The queen, who's underserved in this book. Yes. I think she's dissed by this book. They mention her, and then they only give like a quick paragraph about like what went down that led to her firing. I but... love how you know that we are recording <laughs> some of this for video, and you're just holding up the book like we're on the view. You're talking like I didn't just read about a daytime show, and you don't have like a, like a semicircular panel here. Like this isn't a live audience. No, but like... you're looking at the camera with full to die for stares. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have the monologue prepared too. Yeah. Um, you know the one. Well, you know what? It's so fun. Like we're gonna get into it. You know the the book, and it talks about the revolving door at the view oh, yeah. at every. Everything. It's a little like it's a little like keep it. Oh, that's right. I, I mean, always... do you feel like Matt is auditioning for your part right now, Lewis? Say what? No, we're too good of friends. <laughs> I wouldn't come for him that way. Although you, when you were in here last week, I narrowly missed an opportunity to to fill in for you in what would have been like I guess a very Anna Navarro move. Oh, mm. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Ra Maybe I'll be Ra the Ra Friday girl. Mysteriously, I still would have approved. <laughs> you fill my silhouette so well. It's uh, true. Literally, when Matt Rogers has been in. LA for the past couple months and I noticed he we hang around the same group of friends he's my very good friend and I was like you're the only person I know who wears the same clothing silhouette I do <laughs> literally like it's like clothes tucked in yeah. like, to a specific jean so anyway it's, it's fully nice. vertigo one of it's you is called proportionizing one of yeah. you is Campos Duffy and one of you <laughs> is Elizabeth Hathaway <laughs> brief anecdote about this book so I got it the other day so I could speed read mm -hmm. uh, before the show and I go to Barnes and Noble at the Grove, already a journey. One of my favorite places. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and first of all, the salesperson downstairs is just sort of like, what? It, the book is not prominently displayed in the front. I was like, did you not know this was going to be a hit? Right. And so they told me that the book was upstairs. Uh, so I go upstairs. There are two copies left. And I grab one. And I go to the register. And there's a woman behind me saying, uh, hi, I'm looking for the ladies who punch. And I'm like, I recognize that voice. And I turn around and it's Leslie Grossman. Oh, wow. yes. Looking for the book. And I was like, girl, there is one more copy. <laughs> you better run. We gotta go oh get it for God. you. <laughs> also, that should have been a red alert. Yes, I know where the view book is. It just came out. Yeah. You know? can't believe they have someone working at that establishment who didn't know that what that book was and where it was immediately. This and couldn't name all of the co-hosts. Like starting downhill. with Rosie Perez. Come on, it's the Grove, bitch. You it's know gone. the gays are gonna be downhill since I used to work there. Did what? you work at the Grove? It was literally my first actual job when I, before the coffee bean. At the mm. Barnes & Noble? Yeah, because I used to work at Barnes & Noble in New York when I was in grad school. I worked at the no longer existing Astor Place. 
Barnes and Noble. And I knew you when you were in grad school because you also worked where? Uh, I worked in the video office at at the Tisch School of the Arts. Yeah. Thank oh you. my God, Lux. Ah. Turning to the camera. I was a grad student. <laughs> Matt was an undergrad. It True. Was, it thank was you. A, it was a torrid romance. Oh Jesus! Sounds wretched. <laughs> It was you, don't want to, you don't want to watch that Notes on a Scandal? No. Nor <laughs> see that remake, Burn It, etc. Anyway, this book. Mm. Um, I think that reading this book, it reminded me how much of a cultural like milestone The View really was. You know, it was that first show that allowed politics to be talked about in sort of like an entertaining way. You know, mm -hmm. you think about even before Elizabeth Hasselbeck was um, spouting Republican nonsense into homes across America and really sort of birthed like the Brick McHenry's and Tommy Lahren's and mm -hmm. things that we have to deal with now, you had these women just sort of discussing issues that you wouldn't think women would be talking about on TV. It's ABC daytime. You know, I was tuning in to watch uh, Janet. Um, on all my children. On all my children. Yes. You know? Like that's what I was. You know, I was what like, "What was her name? Crazy Janet." Janet from another planet. Janet from another planet. Yes, you know, and I was oh looking at God. Dorian. You know, going to the secret um, underground city in Landview on One Life wow. to Live. That's what I was tuning in. To. <laughs> Got it. Way back then, when the View started, that was peak all my children. Yeah. That was peak all my children. That was still Kelly Ripa. Kelly Ripa. Kelly Ripa. Yeah, in this book she is. As um, very interesting. I didn't realize that was a thing happening. Oh yeah. It, it's about her fighting with Rosie O'Donnell. Well, yes, they get into mm -hmm. that, but also in the very beginning of The View, they shared a soundstage with all yeah. my children, and she'd be in lingerie smoking a cigarette on the same loading dock because she was filming sex scenes while they were doing early test, like, pilot things with The View. Oh, my yeah. God. And, like, coming over to, to see who's, who's special guest. Yeah, they talked about how Josh Jumal would, like, come over and watch <laughs> and, like, see the bigger celebrities because he yeah. wasn't big then, because um, he was on All My Children as well. Um, a breeding ground. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> it's our it's our neighbors, if you're familiar with Australia. Yes. yes. Oh, you know what? Very I bad. did go to a View episode before <laughs> Raven Simone. Way back. Yes, because it was when I first moved to New York. It was it was like 2008. Mm -hmm. I know that I was there mostly because I knew it shared a soundstage with all my children. Yeah. And I was trying to get a glimpse. <laughs> I, Wait, I used to what, watch that show for my news. What was it like to watch a live taping of The View? Okay, so I have a good story about what, ex this says everything about what it was like. So, like during the commercial breaks, no one really talks. And Megan was out that day. She was grieving. She, had, she famously ah. had a, a couple months where she was like not mm -hmm. there. Um, but it was just the four of them. And Sonny Hostin was kind of like the star of the panel. You could tell everyone on the crew loved her. She was like smiling at the audience, engaging. Whoopi did not want to be there at all, which is why I don't really believe her characterization in this book as being someone who wants to control the set. Mm -hmm. um, but so basically this like warm up, the stand up warm up was like, let's do a dance contest Ooh, in the, okay. in the be between like the commercial breaks. <laughs> so these women are going for it. And um, in the audience, in the audience. Pre, oh, okay. was this pre Ellen? No, this is like, unfortunately, like four months ago. Oh, okay. So the, 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 white, the white women knew what they were doing. Oh, you no. still have the confetti in your hair no, from this taping. No, it's truly, I mean, I, I smell like the studio. Um, but I was there because Kelly Clarkson was on, and I, mm. I do stand Kelly. Um, 
so blah 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 they're doing this dance contest these two women are breaking a sweat and um the woman turns to the panel she goes we're gonna go to the panel to judge she goes whoop who do you think won and whoopi just goes i don't give a shit about this <laughs> <laughs> and that's what being at the view is like that's what Amazing. controlling the Amazing. set is like yeah, yeah. And so me and bowen were like they went to commercial and bo and sunny like looked amazing that day so we were such gays we were just like sunny you look amazing and she turns and she goes Thank you. You know, when we don't tape, I don't even wear makeup. <laughs> and we were like, ooh. Like it was like the what, most, what a scoop. One the most fascinating <laughs> thing I'd ever heard. I love Whoopi and her not giving a fuck just attitude. That Can't was the same less. attitude that she brought to um, Xanadu on Broadway. When I saw <laughs> Holding the script? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, a, brief aside, there's a part in that... Um, in the song Evil Woman, where yeah. she is supposed to hit a high note, and Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> uh, she does the um, like the Monet exchange thing where like she like on um, Drag Race where Monet pretended that she was gonna do a split and she just jumped up and then didn't do it. Uh -huh. Whoopi sort of like acts like she's about to hit the high note and then she's like, eh. <laughs> and it's very funny, but it was also just so her. Yeah, right. That kind of makes me want her to do a Hello Dolly. That's something Hello Dolly would kind of yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was more fun sort of revisiting the earlier stuff. Um, Jen, what did you think about the book? Well, Ramin's book, uh, like, I thought it was really interesting to sh to see how it was teased before it came out. Mm -hmm. With that first Rosie O'Donnell excerpt that Rosie O'Donnell Decried. Now yes. <laughs> oh yes, when, when I talked about that on the show. It was mm -hmm. by Keep It um, a few weeks ago where she just talked about how basically she had a crush on Elizabeth Hasselbeck and thought that Elizabeth also like, like was a little vibe because she played softball. Well, <laughs> D1 softball from Boston College. Come on, there's a lot there. I mean, I played rugby in, in, in college too, so I, I like kind of see how somebody would make that point but um no uh i wasn't even talking like the part where she divulged her sexual abuse mm, yeah. um so it's been really interesting and then obviously like now that the book's out elizabeth hasselbeck has feelings as well so it's interesting to see like how many people talk to ramin who maybe now regret it um, mm -hmm. But I think it makes for a better book mm -hmm. because a it's super juicy, and b I think that one of my favorite things about it is is re being reminded of how many kinds of shows fail, how mm -hmm. many times Barbara Walters failed to find the magic ingredients that mm -hmm. that led to the view. It's mm -hmm. kind of not like it's it's like you're like oh, it's okay like. Barbara failed so many times. Yeah, Absolutely. right, right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. yeah, it's like when you look at Pod Save America versus Keep It. Uh, <laughs> right. I would say. You know, finally I finally nailed it. I always it. said that uh, The View is the Keep It of uh, talk shows, right? Or wait, is that how I? Keep It is the View Keep of podcasts? Keep It podcast? is the View of podcasts, yeah. Oh, well, thank That's you. That's right. I, I, I enjoy being Barbara <laughs> Walton. <laughs> I guess that would make me Behar. No, that fully makes you Behar. Yeah. yeah. And I guess Kara is star. Mm. Mm. Oh, who would Kara be? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't she's, mean to devote time to this topic. A, she's not as sassy as Star Jones. Star is one of the or, most fascinating or, or, people in or, this Or hiding her guest. So that was one of the wildest parts of me, yeah. by the way. Just to talk about how the ladies were resenting Star Jones Love for getting her it. gastric bypass surgery and then essentially hiding it from America. Yeah. I remember the tabloids mm -hmm. constantly being like, Star Jones, weight loss, all of this. But I guess I was never really thinking about the fact that she wasn't talking about it on 
the view at all. Oh, yeah. right. She was like, this isn't fodder for the show. And of course, Barbara was pissed. She's like, bitch, you can't go get, like, lose all of this weight and drop down to a size eight and then not talk about it on the show. I want to know how she got all the other hosts to agree not to talk about it. Because that's what the book says is that they all resented Star for making her ignore the fact that she had this. Well, they procedure. all had a thing that they wouldn't discuss. That's because mm-hmm. they go into that into that in the book as well. Like uh, Meredith's husband has MS and it was not discussed. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't know, it's. They all had their thing that they didn't talk about. So Star was like, it's just not on the table. But um, is this the time to jump in and say, I stand Meredith Vieira so hard? Oh, absolutely. I love Meredith. Because when the show started, I remember just being, she just, some people just go on TV and open their mouth and immediately are like, please just keep talking. Yeah, go forever. Right. I just, it's like, even if you're not saying much at all, there's something about her that is just calming. I don't know. She was great as a host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I was about to say that. I, I think that she was a really good person to replace. Regis. Yeah, you know, like right. She, she's just so great doing that. And a great interviewer and stuff. Um, but I, it also, this book, the first thing I thought of was how much I missed the original recipe view because mm-hmm. the SNL send-up of it was so... It, th- that's what I've watched most frequently. Sherry Ben O'Terry. Yes. <laughs> Sherry O'Terry's Barbara Walters impression, I think, is like a top five impression in SNL history. Because it's, it's not accurate, but it's just, it's it's about unhinged egomania and looking yeah. into a camera. You know, Matt Rogers stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't even on me. Can we get him fired? He yeah. is. You gotta go. You're the Mike Gentile of this situation. Uh, I did read the whole book. <laughs> pivoting to you, Matt. Sure, you, 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 Listen, you are a host <laughs> of a, you know, podcast that is almost as popular as Keep It. So what is, you know... <laughs> and I say, oh, because it's like not anywhere near as popular, but I'm honored. I love... We're in the same genus. I love Lost Culture Reefers. Thank you. you know, oh, was, it's a fabulous podcast. I was, I was famously you. on it and um, famously got, got a phone <laughs> call during the middle of it and had to flee. Do you, you remember? L- you're the only guest in Last Culture <laughs> History to leave mid-interview because his lift got there and we did not know he had called the lift. <laughs> and that was fine. Before that, we had had a wonderful, wonderful episode with you. And you guys were both on our live show, Lewis and Ira. Yeah. We did our live show. And I have to say, Lewis did one of the best troll bowls of all time, which is we do this live show called I Don't Think So, Honey. Mm-hmm. And you go off for one minute on something in pop culture that you hate. It's 50 comedians all go one after another. Um, and Lewis decided to pick from the Troll Bowl, which is a bunch of topics that are like hard to go negative oh, on, yeah. like Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. I got and Salma such. Hayek. You got Salma Hayek. And went very Dada you, with mine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- you got Chelsea Clinton. Oh, yeah. And the assignment mm-hmm. is you have to talk for the full 60 seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like they, they'll they be like 15 seconds. You have to keep whatever, making fun of them. Chelsea Clinton, I'm just not somebody I've reserved a lot of like monologue space but for the pull. Mm-hmm. The first pull that you had was was very on the on, it was on point. Oh, it I was... basically said I was like, I don't care how nice you are to trolls. Yeah, you were like stopping like, well, that's nice to hear that you called me a stone cold bitch or whatever she fucking says <laughs> on, on tw- Twitter. She's yeah. so like, I hear you, I see you, I'm responding no matter what vitriol is being sent my way. And uh, it's, it's great. she's literally like. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, except <laughs> she's, she's really... um, saying, oh, I get it, Michael, that you're stalking me and yeah. murdering all of my <laughs> yeah. friends. Ah, you're in my backyard again. <laughs> ah, how First do you all... feel about that? <laughs> Thank you for taking interest. And um, 
It's Liza. Thank you for caring. <laughs> what do you think the view um, has sort of meant to mm. this generation of sort of podcasts? You know, I, I yeah. feel like there's been a uh. resurgence of talk. You know, the, they talk about in the view how it was really just people sort of before it was people screaming at each other. Yeah. Uh, I feel like podcasts are very much in the early days of that. We don't like there's no reason for us to bring a crazy Republican on this show right. to get ratings, mm -hmm. you know? Well, opinion wasn't mainstream really until they did that. And, and mm -hmm. then when I say mainstream, I mean in a daytime way, accessible for everyone. And I mm -hmm. think before that they go into this in the book, but they were really kind of in terms of the executives in charge kind of talking down to their audience. They thought, you know, women don't want to talk about politics. They don't want to see people fight. But I think obviously if you get the right chemistry, which is, you know, keep it. I mean, come on, the chemistry is crack a link. Oh, sure. No Republican necessary in this group. <laughs> um, but if you get the right chemistry and you get people that can articulate themselves, mm -hmm. then you'll have a good result. I mean, I think that the problem with their original uh, foursome was Debbie Matinopoulos was just not able to articulate herself politically because she just didn't have the world experience. In fact, Jenny McCarthy's in this book saying that they were, she was told she was going to be there in like a pop culture, you know, frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And then Barbara didn't know any of the pop culture references from like 2015 on. And so they had to pivot back to being political. And Jenny, like Jenny McCarthy says in this book, <laughs> I had to decide if I was a Republican or a Democrat. Wow. wow. Oh, wow. But actually, that doesn't surprise me though, because if you watch The Masked Singer, mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised at how many references she could pull. Yeah, like no, she was something of a savant. Yeah, I, was, no. I was a little bit surprised by that. She's a pop culture lady, yeah. which I think was the direction they were going in. My um, Scream 3 um, queen. What's for sure. <laughs> Her I'm, scene in Scream 3 is okay, hilarious. Wait, you mean Scary Movie? Movie three? No. Or Scream three? Because she is in both. Is she's she in, in both? She's in Scream three. Hun. Jenny McCarthy. She's the one who goes in for what she thinks is like the meeting and then uh, <gasps> she's being chased through the office. So right. you're telling me yes. she's in the franchise movie and it's parody equal? Yes. Genius of her. <laughs> and that is Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> if you boil it down. I but watched the Jenny McCarthy show, please. Yeah. If they rebooted, though. If they rebooted The View with the original lineup. Ooh, it would be good, I think. Yeah. yeah. Do you think The View, final thoughts, do you think The View is is due for a reboot? Do you think it still works? Yes, I think people are talking about it now mm -hmm. in the way that they at least were talking about it 10 years ago with mm -hmm. Rosie. I would also like to bring up again that I am a stan of Rosie, yeah, me too. who I think brought fandom to uh, the mainstream in a way that it had never been done before. I really like how the book... Um, touch on the fact that the Rosie show was very popular. Mm -hmm. The yeah. Rosie O'Donnell show. The Rosie O'Donnell show was very popular. The Rosie mm -hmm. show, which she had not on so own, was, was, was not so much. Um, and I did not know that Oprah made her <laughs> go to Chicago yeah, and use that, that right. studio yeah. so she wouldn't have to fire people. It's like, Sorry, Oprah, you should have quit. Yeah. It does seem like like the routine hubbubs with Meghan McCain on the current iteration are yeah. exactly what they want because it's never too toxic or out of control. It's yesterday just enough. It was. Oh, what? Wait, what happened? Something so, she lost me yesterday forever. I try so hard with Meghan McCain. I I, I watch it every day. Mm -hmm. So I can say that yesterday kind of turned a corner. Uh, Joy was making, they were talking about. Um, forget exactly what they were talking about, but some issue was dividing them and Joy was making a point. She said, you said what you have to say, now I'm gonna say what I have mm. to say. And Meghan McCain with a hair flip said, part of your job is listening to what I have to say. And it's like, keep it. 
If, if, <laughs> if I may. Right? Because That's Joy correct. Behar has hosted that show for 20 seasons, thousands of episodes of television. She doesn't need you with your half-hearted, like, performative hair flip to tell her what her job is. Yeah. Using a I Ouija really, board to talk to your father every episode. Truly, honestly, I feel bad for her that she's going through what she's going through. Uh, honestly, it's got to be very difficult to lose a parent. But and then have get Donald a new Trump, narrative, though. Yeah, and then have Donald Trump constantly attacking you, and, him, and the media. But that's hard. It's, it's a bad narrative. And it's, I think, just, you know, reading the book, it was seeing that, you know, the view sort of introduced a person like Elizabeth Asselbeck into the world. Absolutely. The idea where mm-hmm. Republican views did need to come with any sort of facts. You could no. talk about opinion like they were facts. Right. And it's it's sort of just dark seeing how that's, you know, sort of transitioned into Meghan McCain, who yeah. was sort of like the worst idea of that because she is not just spouting Republican nonsense on the show and, you know, talking about um, horrifying Republican talking points. She's also somehow leveraged that celebrity into like being a faux LGBTQ icon She's in the way that Elizabeth could three nights do. a week. Yes. And <laughs> I mean, that sort of upsets me. You know, like the Harvey Milk Foundation gave her an award as an ally. Andy Cohen has her on the show. I feel like there's a certain old guard of, you know, gay men um, who are just sort of allowing that to happen. And also, by the way, how often does she act way more aggrieved than is, like, allowable? Yeah. And then also, to, like, to to go back to that diss on Joy, it's like, Joy is practically Tim Russert compared yeah. to you. You know what I mean? True. Just, like, the vo- like a Cronkitean voice of reason compared to I don't you. find Megan to be particularly harmful because she's not pro-Trump. Like, she's mm-hmm. actually quite anti-Trump, obviously. And, you know, when it gets into, like, Fiscal conservatism, I'm like, God, shut up. But what I do find her to be is bratty. Mm -hmm, I find her mm -hmm. to be very entitled. When she doesn't want to talk about something, everyone knows. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't want to talk about something, then give the time that you're going to use saying you don't want to talk about it to someone else who does. Yeah, jump out. Just sit there. Jump out. Sit there. Debbie did it. But she's a brat. <laughs> Debbie did it. Debbie, yeah. d- that Debbie was a pioneer in sitting out. <laughs> I think Lisa Ling is still like out in the field right now, waiting to go live. She's like, I'm in Myanmar. Please, yeah. someone, yes. cut to me. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Matt. Thank you for having me. The podcast is Las Culturistas. Sure is, and we have a live show on uh, April 20th in New York at the Bell House. So everyone should come. Okay, caught those tickets. <laughs> go to the Bell House. Get your Alexander <laughs> Graham on. Come on, Miss Bell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. 
Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Sex cult, sex cult, you're my sex cult, as Tom Jones once said. Oh, sex bomb? Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't that, like that sex bomb? Do you know what a pun is? Okay. <laughs> it, it wasn't a pun. It was more of like a play on words. Oh, okay. I love the song Sex Bomb because it was the theme song for Gross Point on the WB. Right, right, right. I remember it very well. How is Tom Jones doing? I love a good uh, hirsute, or not hirsute, a sweaty Welsh man. <laughs> I prefer a Welsh witch. Speaking of the WB. Sex oh, cult. yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. That's why I was doing that. Uh, <laughs> do you remember a show called Smallville? I do remember Smallville. I watched all 900 seasons oh, of that show. Oh, wow. Uh, I felt mm. like, I feel like it was the original Supernatural. Uh, on Monday, Smallville actress Allison Mack pled guilty to racketeering and conspiracy charges for her involvement in the NXIVM, pronounced Nexium, uh, cult. Doesn't that sound like a prescription mm-hmm, mm-hmm, ad? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Julie for Bowen like, uh... for Nexium. Yes. <laughs> uh, the organization, which sold itself as an executive success program. They always do. I mean, come and get the businesswoman special yeah. from Allison Mack. <laughs> uh, actually brainwashed and blackmailed women into being sex slaves. Okay. Um, its founder, Keith Rainier, was arrested and charged with sex trafficking last year. And in Mack's statement on Monday, the actress admitted to recruiting women into the secret society by falsely telling them that they were being members of a female mentorship group. I feel like that's always the way. You're going to gain something from this lady. Sit in the audience. Enjoy a lecture. Meet our friends. Go into this closet. You're locked in. No. This story has been wild. I feel like we it's talked crazy. about it last year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, when it first broke in the New York yeah. Times? But who knows what we've talked about on Keep It. That's right. Yes. <laughs> last year. It's just crazy. Before how mu- Kara read books. That's precisely. It's so, crazy how yeah. much, like... One man's megalomania can lead to this like pyramid of just and tentacles of people working for him and just doing everything he wants. People just believe megalomaniacs. That's just what happens. It's there's something wrong with our brain where we believe people who want everything to work out for them. It's also really sad to me that like the women who were thought they were being accepted into this empowering mentorship program for women were being exploited as women underneath this this guy's pyramid scheme marketing company slash cult like that's the sad that's the sad thing to me about a lot of um uh cults situations is the the need that drives people to seek answers in in the arms of of of, of uh, it's just yeah, exploitation it's is always so sad. I think to it, see. it specifically takes advantage of a kind of vulnerable yeah. person who is looking for like 
you know, just like a a, a, a guideline, you know, it's or like in the way be, that like you better themselves. Yes. Yeah. You know, just in the way that like you find like whatever a gym routine that works for you, you end up believing just a series of tenets that work for you. And then you become very attached to them. And then in order to, you know, keep your life going the, na- the way you need it to, you are subsumed into this mm. fucking cult. Yeah, you know, you're having dinner with John Lovett and he won't stop talking about Barry's fucking boot camp. Oh, right. <laughs> Barry, see, there we are. There we go. He's in a cult. Barry's boot camp. That's a lot of, <laughs> you can't just work there if you're a supermodel. You have to be kind of a mean supermodel. Yes, and you have to take a shirtless photo outside. That's right. <laughs> it's the only thing. And inside. Do. Don't and be inside. weird. Well, yes, but they 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 love the outside ones, too. Mm-hmm. You know, just going outside and letting people see the merchandise. But by the way, this has been a crazy week for women just pleading guilty in general. I just want to also throw out Felicity Huffman, Felicity Huffman, oh, yeah. who is her statement was actually quite, I don't know how, another word for this, mature. Yeah. But she yeah. was like, I accept responsibility, whatever, whatever. All I could think was, get ready for it. What a great role this would be for you. Jesus. <laughs> Will she play it herself? Yeah. Well, uh, I am really, side note, excited to see what happens with Ava DuVernay's The Central Park Five, mm. because Felicity Huffman is basically one of the leads. Oh, right. So yes. what's that press tour going to be like? Yeah. I don't think she'll be signing autographs like Lori Laughlin. I feel like Felicity was giving that mature sort of response in court to be in contrast with Lori, who is acting like a lunatic. Oh, yeah. She was coming into that courtroom, like, signing napkins and, like, whatever. Yeah, like, sunglasses on, just, yeah. just, just giggling. You also don't see Felicity Huffman's kid acting like Olivia Jane. No. Right. Very important. Lori is Roxy Hart in this situation, and Felicity is Velma Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> You just explained a whole lot to me and everybody else. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, but back to the cults. Um, the other troubled actress. Yes. Uh, um, I cannot believe Chloe from Smallville got herself so wrapped up in this. Yeah. I mean, what, what and for she, over a decade. What was she going to do after Smallville, though? Well, that's why she said she she has said that. After Smallville ended, she felt lost and she found comfort and direction in this guy's. I feel sad, but you know she teaching? was she was one of the worst characters on Smallville. So, <laughs> I mean, I did not think that she was gonna keep working on the WB after that. Also, and just to be clear, so she was dragged into it by her co-star Kristen Kreak, right? And then, and then she left, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will now bring up the movie Street Fighter II, The Legend of Chun-Li, starring Kristen Kreuk, which if you have not seen that movie, what a, it's a monstrous something. bomb. It's something. I With love Chris, that movie. With Chris Klein? Yeah. Yes. yes. Who gives a yeah, performance yeah. that I will call a performance. Chris Klein. Wow. Great name. Remember him? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, so now you kind of understand. Like, obviously, I think living in Los Angeles, spending a day in Los Angeles, you see how desperate people can be if or you, you understand instantly what might happen to lead somebody astray if their Hollywood dream disappears Listen, or never materializes you know I, I filmed, you, yeah, you want to feel like you're on a track you get it. I filmed a guest spot on a TV show a few weeks ago and I felt ready to join a cult right after I did it you're like I was like, <laughs> I, was like I want more what can get me the success <laughs> I can't let go of this feeling all right uh I, I'm in sag now <laughs> Uh, although my SAG letter did get the show wrong, that was on. That was on. <laughs> oh my god! I thought I was on Young Sheldon. <laughs> uh, compliment? I don't know. Uh, I, I am going to frame that. Yeah. By the way, no. It it's this city is sort of ripe for it, and you know, there's a reason why California has sort of been home to 
many crazy cults. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This, you know, the Manson family, uh, Scientology. Which... Oh, do they still have buildings? They do. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had brunch there? No, I've not. You can have brunch what? at the Scientology Center. Oh. It's pretty good. They probably have my name somewhere now. I was going to say, no, they're probably in that plant behind you. Yeah. They're here. <laughs> I got to call Leah Remini. <laughs> so I, 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 there's, a, I think, an important distinction between ne- Nexium? Yes. Nexium in Scientology, and that is that Nexium doesn't call itself a religion, right? Mm, Correct. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and Nexium also can give you um, chills, and you should consult a doctor <laughs> if you're pregnant before using it. Mm-hmm. But Scientology is... Always in the news, but it's back in the news because uh, Elizabeth Moss finally talked about her involvement in Scientology with um, Marlo Stern of the Daily Beast. Shout out Marlo. Shout out Marlo, because uh, you and we I both used to work at the him. Daily Beast. Yeah. You left, and then I took your job, <laughs> <laughs> and then I left. And you know what? I I Marlo's kind of like Ramin with the View. Like of all people, I truly believe that he would not shy away from asking hard questions like that. Of course. When doing an entertainment profile, which is so rare, sadly rare in this business. Yeah, of course. He asked her about being a member of the Church of Scientology and reconciling that with playing fiercely feminist characters. And she said, one of the things I believe in is freedom of speech. I believe we as humans should be able to critique things. I believe in freedom of the press. I believe in people being able to speak their own opinions. I don't ever want to take that away from anybody because that is actually very important to me, which doesn't really say anything. No, it is, does not answer the question. <laughs> Please at all. keep reading the Constitution today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, like, what Elizabeth? We the people in order to form a more perfect union. <laughs> yes, I know songs from Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> So Elizabeth Moss is doing this interview, obviously, because she has projects to promote between Handmaid's Tale and her new movie, Her Smell, in which she plays kind of a super asshole rock star. And she's kind of great in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Complete bitch, as you know. <laughs> I really am excited to see that movie for the, from the trailer, by the way, but yeah. I can't get past the title, Her Smell. I know. Eh, yeah, yeah. Um, she's basically playing like a Courtney Love kind mm-hmm. of figure, if that makes it make any more sense. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously like that's why she's giving this interview. That's why she's subjecting herself to the possibility that somebody's going to ask her about Scientology. Um, and she really like I thought she did a good job of saying important things about you know like I believe in freedoms of all this or whatever. Right, she says the Handmaid's Tale lines up so perfectly parallel with my own beliefs in freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and the things that this country was actually built on. Right, she running for president. Twenty twenty, Elizabeth Moss, twenty (laughs) twenty. You know, but she didn't really answer the question, so it's still a kind of not satisfying um, exchange when. I mean, maybe it's like chipping away. Maybe at some point in the future, she'll open up more or other celebrity Scientologists will be more open. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing. Like no celebrity Scientologist mm-hmm. is ever forthcoming about this. Like like you never hear Julia Lewis talking about it. It's like, aren't you this like rad, super outspoken person? It just doesn't make any sense. It's this weird thing that still hasn't quite been cracked, you know, outside of things like going clear where you hear stories of these people or whatever. Well, but, and these are the younger people who are in it. You know, it's such a stark contrast to going back to The View, them talking about how they loved Tom Cruise on that show, mm, you know, because mm-hmm. he was just sort of like, 
a megawatt star. But, you know, you see, like, Tom Cruise and, like, the John Travolta, those eras of people who are Scientologists. We don't talk about other celebrities that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom, still got some questions for you. Please. Yeah. I mean, because Elizabeth Moss probably doesn't know where Shelley Miscovige is. That's just it. Right. Yeah. You know what my, my plan for her was, that she would be on The Masked Singer. <laughs> And win it. Yes. Yeah. Shelly, what? <laughs> Leah Remini watching at home, yeah. taking furious notes. <laughs> As that eagle really re- reveals herself. I oh. will say that she talks about the fact that L. Ron Hubbard was notoriously anti-LGBT. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, which is not where I stand. It's like, it's a lot to get into and unpack what I can't do, but that is not my bag. I am obviously a huge feminist and huge supporter of the LGBTQ community and believe so strongly, I can't even tell you, in people being able to do what they want to do, to love who they want to love, to be the person that they want to be, whoever that is. Elizabeth, you can tell us. (laughs) Right, we're right here. I can't tell you. (laughs) But be yourself. Yeah. She's also the interesting case of somebody who happens to be a fabulous actress. So people also find a way to kind of like not ask her about Mm -hmm. it because she just rules. You Mm -hmm. know, she's been on now two incredibly iconic television series. So, yeah. um, How do you feel like still being in that game? Uh, You know, as an entertainment journalist, Mm -hmm. this this sort of thing about asking celebrities hard questions Mm -hmm. like this, particularly when it's something like, you know, it's their religion. I yeah, I I think uh, I mean those are two 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 thing two ideas right like first of all it's always difficult to ask difficult questions of people who don't want to talk about whatever it is mm-hmm. um, so you have to like weigh in the moment like you guys both know that um, in terms of religion though like I do feel that that celebrities just like anybody else are entitled to their freedoms you know like everybody. Um, but it's when a person is it gets a tricky when they're so high profile and along with their profile comes their beliefs. And so I do feel like it's fair game. It's hard to it's hard to to say how fair it is to push, mm-hmm. you know. Right. That's interesting. There's also I think something that's tricky is in entertainment journalism, when you're interviewing celebrities, there is this like veneer of not that you're their friend, but you are like supposed to friendly with them because it's Mm -hmm. in the spirit of promoting like movies, which are this thing that we love. And it's like a diversion for all of us. Mm -hmm. So it's like layering on top of that discussions about uh, incredibly serious things, you know, not just Scientology, whatever the topic may be is just awkward, period. And so it's like, it's almost like you're avoiding the awkwardness of like, do these questions even go together more than you're uh, avoiding like uh, their answer or whatever. But it is just basically as an entertainment journalist, you have to wear several hats secretly while you're interviewing somebody. And it really calls on sort of celebrities themselves to sort of create these topics. I feel like we didn't really start talking about Chris Pratt, for instance, and his Mm -hmm. religion until... Ellen Page called him out about it. And, you know, Scientology obviously feels like fair game because there's going clear. And, mm-hmm. you know, and Leah talk- Remini's Yes, and show. Leah Remini's show. Which know? is now in its third season? Mm. Is it? Can everybody on? just be out yet? I hope she's, like, like burrowed a small hole for people to just leave the building up. Well, I find that show interesting the because... The Tubman of Scientology. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's such public interest in in that show and in this topic because so little light has been 
shown on it. Um, so it's been really interesting to me to see how popular just that show has been to, you know, you gotta, you gotta assume like moms and dads in middle America, you know, watching it on cable TV. Yeah. Mm. Right. One of the things that uh, I neglected to mention, by the way, which is insane to me, um, did you know that Michael Avenatti met and negotiated uh, with prosecutors on behalf of Claire Bronfum, who was charged alongside uh, Allison Mack? And really? she is. Remind us who she is. She is uh, the uh, heiress of Seagram's Liquor. There, there should be one. <laughs> and uh, and uh, like she, a high-ranking person in Nexium? Yeah, she okay. like she. I think she fainted in court or or something when she was asked about Michael Avenatti. It's Why a is he everywhere? I know. And what was the other thing he was related to? Jesse Smollett's Jesse case. Jesse Smollett's case. Yeah. And 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 like this Nike drama too. I'm tired of him. I think we've discovered that he's a flawless person <laughs> that we should keep talking about. We should keep existing in front of us. Yeah. It is fascinating to see how many people keep hiring him. I mean, at what point do you realize Pirelli's Miracle Elixir is not a miracle? <laughs> it tastes like piss. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's one of just like the latest weird thing, like bizarre also additional detail to yeah. add on top of this NXIVM yeah. Nexium. Well, cult thing. I've always been interested in sex cults since um, Sydney was pulled into one on Melrose Place that was oh, run sure. by Tracy Lords. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And when she escaped, she shot a gun at them and said, so long, fruitcakes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very riveting four weeks on Melrose Place. Tracy Lords makes me long for the E! True Hollywood story. That's, what, that's when the good days of television, when you could just sit down at home and watch like... Uh, 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 you know, a, a, a gritty retelling of a porn star's life. <laughs> and I would not tell my mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, on that note, <laughs> when we're back, keep it. And we are back with Keep It, our favorite segment of the week. As usual, Lewis. It's been a long time. I know. You shouldn't have left us without a dope keep it to step two. <laughs> you, step two. Step two. You would think that step I would have like five ready to go ever since then, but I don't. I have one. I have thought about this. I'm sad that this is my keep it. Um, I wanted to talk about this at the time, but we didn't want to spoil stuff from it. Keep it to the movie Us. I'm sorry. Uh, I think about that movie now. What a goddamn mess. <laughs> How many times did you see it? Once. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm going to see it. Here's <laughs> the thing. If they had just stuck with one kind of metaphor, I guess, if it was just everybody has a doppelganger that's going to come after them, that would make sense. It was like this Banksy exhibit that kept adding new, like, funny things that were supposed to be provocative. It's like, what is the Hands Across America thing? What is with Elizabeth Moss's family? That wasn't interesting to me at all. They should have just stayed within the family unit. I thought it was incredibly incoherent, and I thought I couldn't even follow the carnage of the horror because after a while you thought, well, maybe those are the good guys or these are the bad guys or whatever, so I couldn't even be invested in the bloodshed that was in front of me. I just think, unlike Get Out, which was a horror movie based on social mores, which is a very funny thing to turn into a horror movie. This was sort of like, 
a conventional horror movie with the idea of bigger themes somewhere nearby, and they never quite connected. I just feel like every review I've read that's been positive hasn't been able to really just fucking tell me what was going on in the movie, and I really think it was a, a failure. Lupita was great. Well, what do you think as a current film critic? As somebody who wrote so many stories about us, I get it. And I agree with you because I think that it backs itself into a corner with this like mythology. Yes. It throws a lot more mythology than it needs to at the audience. But but there are a lot of gaps in that mythology. Um, a lot of uh, missed connecting the dots that aren't quite there. And so I think that's actually why people are so obsessed with figuring out us is because you get just enough information, but not enough that it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. So you're, you, you're filling in. You have all these audiences going back to see it over and over again, um, noticing a lot of the fun film filmmaking, and which I do, and I do enjoy the film. Um, but I think it is a film that somehow managed to withhold just enough information from the audience to make the audience obsessed with figuring out what it means. Yeah. But I feel like, do you think they're doing that because they loved Get Out so much? They figure it must be secretly as good as Get Out somehow. Because my feeling is, to me, this is a movie that feels like a lot was edited out of it. Mm -hmm. Because so many of the metaphors, as you say, don't come back or I'm, mm -hmm. I am I don't know what that was supposed to mean or mm -hmm. what, what's with the underground place that Lupita goes to, etc. Just I didn't feel like that was like um, well thought out. And to me, it's like it. And there's all these metaphors. And then on top of that, at some point early in the movie, Lupita actually has to uh, read Lupita, the yes. zombie Lupita, if you will, says Spoilers. we're Americans. And it's like when you have to state it that explicitly, you become a Jim Carrey painting. But it's <laughs> well, what does Mussolini's daughter think about that? <laughs> um, you know, it felt a lot like watching uh, all the seasons of Lost in real time. Um, the idea <laughs> of here is a mystery and I'm watching it unfold and I'm like, cool, I don't know what's going on, but it's sort of creepy. I'm liking the style. Uh, I thought it was directed well. Mm -hmm. um, I That's what I it has Jordan. going for it. Jordan it has directing. flair. Yeah. Um, but then it started to feel like the later seasons of Lost with, oh, people have questions and now we need to explain things. And I think that I'm somewhere between both of you. I think that... I really enjoyed Get Out, and I think that, you know, it's interesting that that was such a huge phenomenon, and to mm -hmm. have to follow that up for a second movie, uh, you know, you're branded the next Hitchcock. Um, that's obviously something you're going to be thinking about when you're making this movie, and you want people to still be dissecting your movie the way that they dissected Get Out, um, mm -hmm. the way that they're talking about Get Out, you know, in like college courses. And so you're probably going to be a little bit obsessed with wanting to create a film that people are, you know, going to have to like put together a Rubik's Cube. You mm -hmm. know, you want um, people to sort of look at the themes, but... I wasn't one of the people who felt like um, I need to see this. I saw it twice. I didn't feel like I need to see it multiple times, you know, because like at a certain point, I don't need to be um, on the Orient Express when I'm watching a movie. Yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to be Perot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I don't I don't need to, if I could get up and go into the movie and be like, all right, Lapita, well, um, <laughs> let me ask you about last night when mm -hmm. you were with uh, the victim. <laughs> if I could do that. Mm -hmm. um, 
sure. But at a certain point, I'm just like, life's too short. I like threw my hands up. Yeah. It's like, the, and again, the themes, it's like, there's like class complacency is a mm-hmm. part of it, like touched on mass incarceration. But it's just like, what? Like, it's just like all, it's like, like a, there's like a spectrum of things that never cohered. I do appreciate that there are those you know, even if they're just the the, the threads or, or beginning or hints of deeper societal themes for people to think about, I appreciate that that is in there in a movie that, like, so many people, like, a, a wide release movie, yeah. a horror movie. Um, Absolutely. I think it's it, it might plant some really important seeds into minds that may never have thought about certain things. It is really sort of interesting in this era where... Film Twitter uh, is constantly talking about. I'm tired of Marvel movies. I'm tired of all of this. <laughs> it's like, all right, bitch, don't go see them. But uh, some people who grew up reading those comic books, you know, they want to see the Eternals on screen, and they're excited that Angelina Jolie is going to be in it. Where is Salt too? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was. I think that it's interesting that Jordan Peele with Get Out um, sort of made this big horror movie that also. Like you said, talked about social mores and, you know, like really had a lot to say politically. And then with us, it's a sort of a way to get back to that filmmaking that film Twitter Mm. is decrying. You know, Mm -hmm. the idea of a big blockbuster that a lot of people are going to go see, which has a little something else underneath it. And it's going to have people talking about something and not a reboot or a sequel or whatever. Yeah, you know, they're talking about something when they leave. And I think. That's some stuff that may be missing from cinema. When I watch it, there's a lot um, in it that I really enjoy. And you can tell that Jordan Peele is a student of cinema. He mm-hmm. loves cinema. He loves sci-fi. There's a particular um, shout out to uh, Dial M for Murder in the movie where somebody grabs scissors. That's yes, a pretty impressive. Yes, it is, it is beautiful. And, you know, that's what I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy yeah. watching the work of someone who loves movies as much as we all love movies. Um, and that's fun to watch. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy Tarantino films for the same reason, but, you know, um, Hateful Eight. Anyway. <laughs> well, last note on this movie. I would say ultimately it felt like one person telling a really long joke and adding lots and lots of unnecessary details. And you're sitting there thinking, just tell me the ending. It can't be worth this. You know what I mean? That's sort of how it felt. It was to me. two and people it, at a dinner party. One person was telling it and the other person was like, oh, wait, but 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 yes. also but also was this. And <laughs> if you are trying to not deal with this tethered person again, mm. Bitch, why do you keep going back to this beach? <laughs> right. Don't go to the beach. Don't yeah. go to the beach. She doesn't want to go to the beach. All right. She doesn't want to. Well, that's she true. says she says, I don't want to go there. And he's like, oh, but You know, but but, but, but but where was this argument before? She's like, Oh, you want to go to the beach? It was like, Yes, yeah, down the block, girl. <laughs> the the point of block horror movies is you're not supposed to act like the dumb white people in horror movies. Bitch, don't go to the beach. And certainly don't go back in the house looking for keys. What the fuck is wrong with her? Yeah, she does do that. <laughs> anyway, Lupita. <laughs> Lupita did that though. She's so um, good. Give her an Oscar. Now. Also, last year though, I thought that Tony, like I thought in my heart that Tony Collette might have like a shred. I about know, a me shot too. For me hereditary. too. And maybe one of the Lupita great performances. One of the great performances. Yeah. yeah. Um, justice for Tony. Um, mm-hmm. Should have won for In Her Shoes. Uh, <laughs> Jen, what is your keep it? Okay, my keep it was a little bit. Um, 
oh, has a little bit of overlap in what you jokingly said just now, which is uh, my keep it as Avengers, all of them. Sure. Oh my god. Interesting. Big oh. move. Um, okay. I know this Did is very controversial. Fight? I don't know. I don't know you to be one of these people. Interesting. Um, only because I'm tired. I I am I am all for the Black Panthers, mm-hmm. even the Captain Marvels. I'm all for more interesting like character, you know, adventures that bring something new. But I am tired of these like 20, 30, 50 superheroes crammed on screen Avengers movies. And the next one comes out, Avengers Endgame comes out this month. And they had an enti- Disney had an entire press junket with uh, journalists and didn't show them the movie. And people will still people still covered it, obviously, because they like need right. they need hashtag content. There so was I'm one like, obnoxious thing about that hmm. thing to me, even though you know, like I'm a diehard Marvel fan. The 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 empty chairs for the yeah. dead characters who died at the, in the snap, snap, yeah, um, in the la- in yeah, Infinity yeah. War, just being there at the uh, press junket. I was like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> no, here's the thing, because like. <laughs> There will be fanboys who will be mad at me for, like, saying anything Mm -hmm. anti-Avengers. And I've covered, I think, literally almost all of these Marvel movies. And I like a lot of what Marvel has done and does. I'm just tired of these super team-ups. It's, like, exhausting. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really add that much to me in terms of what's actually interesting to me about Marvel movies, which is, like, actual interesting characters. I don't care about them joining forces or like fighting with each other or what breaking I don't I don't care about any of that well that's why I'm actually very interested in um Disney owning Fox now Mm -hmm. because I think that one of the biggest Marvel titles that has sort of been done a disservice is Fantastic Four which is a group but it's about family dynamics and I think that's such an interesting thing that can be added to the Marvel universe in a way that it's sort of you know like this could be like a fucking ordinary people, but mm-hmm. as a superhero movie. But right? that, would that, is, that would be interesting. That would be very interesting. Secrets and lies. Yeah. yeah, you know, but it's um it's that dynamic. And I don't think anyone's been able to crack it, you know, in its Fox iterations, but I would love to see that because listen, I love Avengers and X-Men and stuff like that. Um I think what's interesting about X-Men is that um, you know, it sort of kept the same character. It sort of felt like those movies were following some sort of long-running format i think it was interesting mm, yeah. that the x-men was sort of separated from the rest of marvel for so long because avengers has to do that necessary work of uniting like an entire universe obviously but i will say that um i agree that i would love to see more characters i'm a huge comic book fan so obviously there's a wealth of people that i think should be on screen i want a storm movie you know mm-hmm. i want give me fucking alpha flight a Canadian superhero team of mutants. And when it comes to team-ups, there's a comic book series called Marvel Team-Up, which is just like two people together. And it's a little bit like Ant-Man and the Wasp like teaming idea. up. You know, yeah. it's like, you don't need 60 superheroes teaming up. Well, what about just like the Spider-Man Homecoming felt a little bit like that mm-hmm. with Peter Parker and Tony Stark in it. Give me like a Captain Marvel and um, like a Black Panther movie. You know, Captain sure. Marvel and Thor. Sure. You know, that would be fun. It does feel like based on the sheer, like looking at the cast list, that like some somebody can only have like three lines in this movie, right? right? Mind you, yeah. it is a three hour and two minute movie. Is 
Is this out of Africa? Well, oh, what? My. I have six lines in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I, I mean, I, you, I think previously you mentioned uh, Eternals. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think well, that'll Angelina be interesting. Jolie, uh, director Chloe Zhao, yes. who directed Jeff The Writer. Yes. The Writer is the, the Ben Writer. <laughs> is that the my first fir- time you've used, used the, first the? Time, the first time I failed with that one. Uh, Chloe Benzow. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Ryder Benza? No, it doesn't uh, like and, and what is it? Yeah. Um, Kumal is um, rumored to be popping up in that movie, too. I, I like the ones where we don't really have that much of an idea of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's what made Iron Man work so well. Iron Man was not a tier yeah. Marvel character. Uh, the most people really knew about him was that he was an alcoholic in the 80s. And then they had such a great sort of runway hit with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, you know, Alan McBeal wish it had that. But... <laughs> Peter McNichol then, come through. <laughs> but then we got also Guardians of the Galaxy. And like yeah. nobody really knew anything nobody about knew them, anything. like true. the public at large. And I think with Eternals, we have a chance to do something like that, too. You know, give me more uh, make big moments out of lesser known. Ira, superheroes. what is your key? <laughs> oh, OK. Well, <sighs> I am reticent to talk about this troll. And when I say troll, I don't just mean internet troll. I mean, I think he literally lives under a bridge mm-hmm. and attacks billy goats as they try to cross. Uh, Perez Hilton, who oh, this story. is generally a monster. I try not to talk about him on the internet at all because even when you do, like, he's he's that person who, when he does something really shitty online and you call him out on it, he's like, thanks for the press, honey. And I'm like, I'm not giving you press. Uh, you shouldn't be excited that I'm calling you a miserable human being. But last week we talked about the um, boycott of the hotels that the Sultan of Brunei uh, owns because of the law he has where he wants to kill gay men um, and women, like anyone who has gay sex in mm-hmm. his country, basically. And Perez decided to out the Sultan's son, the Prince of Brunei. And his reasoning is the Sultan's not going to kill his own son. You know, he's not going to do that. And I think that we should... There's a cool, calm rationale behind this. Right, right, right. And it's, you know, the idea that if he's anti-gay, we should know that his son is anti-gay. And there are a lot of stupid people in his comments, too, uh, with responses like, oh, well, maybe, like, now that he knows that his son is gay, you know, like, he will change his opinions on people. I'm like... On mass murder? Yeah. Yeah. When, when has that happened? Jesus Christ. When has that ever fucking happened? And I think it just goes back to the cruelty that Perez Hilton was known for, um, the way that he treated people like Britney Spears uh, or Mariah Carey uh, mercilessly on his website before he decided to rebrand as nice. And uh, now since, you know, he's not getting the views that he used to when he was relevant, uh, he's now just rebranding as a com- Complete piece of shit. And I think that the idea of outing someone like that in a country where, you know, their very existence could get them killed is such an inhumane thing to do. And I cannot believe that Twitter is still allowing him to be on their platform. And I think his arguments about the idea that 
the Sultan isn't going to kill his own son, and it's actually not illegal to be gay in the country. It's only illegal to act on it. I mean, that's bullshit. He knows it's bullshit. He did it for clicks. He did it for attention. And he has some shitty video, too, where he, like, tries to explain his reasoning for it. And it's just so fucking self-congratulatory. And I just, ugh, he's a monster. Also, so is he mostly pointing out that the son is, like, a sort of flamboyant character? I think he he mentions that he, like, knows or is, like, oh, interacted with the So, like, he's got outing it, him from it. personal knowledge. Got it, got it. I just wanted to say the word flamboyant again. Flamboyant! He also <laughs> said, said it in a way that he is something like, he, he teed it up by saying, you know, I don't out people anymore, but... Yeah, I don't do this anymore, but, like, Norman Bates getting out of the psych ward being like, I don't murder people while dressed as my mother anymore, but you really been asking for it. Stop looking for Marion. And uh, uh, his, his, in his, his the quote he, he said uh, after outing Prince Azim is, I would know because I have spent time with Prince Azim. Mm-hmm. I would know because I have spent time with Prince Azim. Prince Azim doesn't know you, bitch. And if he does, he probably doesn't want to. Oof, that is a really horrifying story. Yeah, fuck him. Anyway. The idea of a sultan also, I, I don't mean to make light of this at all. Sultans are supposed to be fun. Sorry. That just, the, I mean, like, <laughs> I've seen Aladdin. I know how they are. Was he fun? Uh, he was, he was a uh, 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 dotty. He didn't let Jasmine go anywhere. But he did let Jeff, Jasmine have a tiger that kind of talked. Raja. She, Jasmine would be like Raja and Raja would be like oh Jasmine I understand <laughs> well somehow I doubt the prince of Brunei will hop on a magic carpet yeah, with it. his gay lover and just, just flee his evil father sure Anyway, that's a that's a better keep it than the Avengers. <laughs> no, you. I enjoyed yours. No, you came for the Avengers, and we will be having a talk outside. <laughs> I I am I am I am disgusted that you would come for the Avengers like that. And, and you know uh, what? You know. I'm done. Put that in the fucking New York. You know post. what? You know what? My real keep it is <laughs> my real keep it is keep it to the fact that it's been so long since I have karaokeed with Ira. We got to go karaoke, girl. I've never um, done it with you. No, Jen's the queen of karaoke. I have some new karaoke standards, by the what? way. What? Yes. Uh, Such as? Uh, well, um, smooth, Rob Thomas. <laughs> Can I leave now? <laughs> I love that song. At least do, um, what's the song he did with Lauren Hill on Supernatural? Uh, <laughs> the oh. lion? Uh, mm, never mind, go Mamma on. Mia, this move, there's... Um, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, That's been that. our show. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I did Irresistible by back. Jessica Simpson. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Stars uh, are blind. Mm, Stars are blind is, is one people should bring back. We're going to go to karaoke mm-hmm. and we're going to bring Lewis. Done. Anyway, that's our show. That's it. <laughs> we'll see you next week uh, where, I don't know, we'll... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Will Debbie Matinopoulos be on the panel? Yeah, come on. Uh, I'm Ros- Rosie Perez. Come on. Come on through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week. You are BPM's high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue. 
panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.